find you my missing puzzle piece I'm complete I was just Two Daydream Believers podcast. I am your host, Space Serpent 18. Today we have a very dramatic episode for you because we are doing Diva. And um, we're doing the part that has more divas on it, uh, which is the Lima side. But there's a ton of fun stuff here. And I have some really awesome Diva-tastic guests with me. I know that was really corny. I don't care <laughs> if you guys want to introduce <laughs> yourselves. Hi, I'm Carly, also known as Caro Jane on Tumblr. Hi, I'm Bethany. I'm Invisible Raven, wherever you care to look for me. And I'm Izzy, and I'm the Dork Mark on Tumblr. Awesome. Welcome back, guys. You know what? Um, you know how they have those like memes and they pick your you know wizard name or whatever? Why is there not one for divas? We should create one for divas. There should be... What is your diva name? And it's gonna be, I'm you, fairly certain if I Google it, I'll probably find it. <laughs> it's probably one word, like it's one name, like bam. So, um, yeah, the googling happening. <laughs> oh, I found a quiz. Oh, what's the quiz? <laughs> oh, we should have done that long. beforehand and have it. Yeah. Oh, oh well. well, that's okay. <laughs> Maybe we can link to it and do it later. <laughs> but. Okay, so Diva. Um, so we are doing the Lima side, and there's a couple of different plot lines. And um, right off the bat, one thing I noticed, though, I just want to point out, because I just rewatched it, is that the balance of the, the plot lines in this episode are actually really nice. And I think, you know, after most mm-hmm. of the season just being so chaotic and, and whatnot, having things kind of simmer down and really focus on only a couple of, you know, storylines at a time feels kind of refreshing. So, uh, kicking it off is Finn and Emma, and Finn is understandably worried about his position because Will is coming back, and um, Emma's kind of really cool and calm and collected about the whole thing and says, you know, you you need to stir up some competition. Oh, and we should probably mention 
that Finn says something about um, how there aren't any big voices. Oh, I know. What? <laughs> Does anybody want to talk about that? Because I have some thoughts. But go ahead. You want to? <laughs> the thing is that he says it's like, oh, like Rachel and Mercedes and Santana, and I'm and I'm just sitting there going. The, what? The, we'll we'll never use anybody but Rachel except for Mercedes for like a big you know ending number. The, the ending mark. you know belt out in the in a number, <laughs> and it just made me so angry. <laughs> no, really, I, that line kind of rubbed me the wrong way too. Just because, because even um, Finn or no Emma goes, well, you have Blaine, which is, and he's like, oh, Blaine's not good enough, and he doesn't have enough attitude. And I was like, excuse me. <laughs> well, and you have Unique. I mean, Unique ran Vocal Adrenaline. Light. It was a star of yeah. Vocal Adrenaline. That's a pretty that big thing. VIP for the, like, the national, whatever, the competition. I will, I will give them this much in that, because they're talking about regionals. And thinking back, except for, I think, think season one, every other regionals episode was very Rachel Light. Like, in season two, they got her not competing for some reason and same in season three and so then they did have to rely on like other voices in inverted commas but i don't know still don't appreciate the fact that they're like oh yeah rachel mercedes santana as if we use them all and they even says that and even kurt and i was like when did you ever use kurt (laughs) apparently i'm a bit angry about this (laughs) that's okay you can have feelings (laughs) well and uh like um Tina led ABC in um, for the sectionals in the year before, and she led uh, Gangnam Style as well just that year and did an awesome job, even though everybody else hates it, but I love it. But um, <laughs> We talked about that. We did. I just finished editing that podcast, too. <laughs> and, and then, like... A few episodes later, you have Mercedes saying that that um, Marley is such a big powerhouse, which <laughs> I, I'm not sure I agree with completely. But, I mean, Melissa does have a really good voice. She just doesn't have the strength as, like, when she when she um, pipes up in, in this, when everybody's saying, I'm a diva, and Marley's like, I'm a diva, too. <laughs> it's like, um, okay, honey. Sure you are. Like, <laughs> she doesn't have a belter voice. And I think the one of the worst mistakes the show ever did was then like I think was that there was that wonderful where she talks about that? Or I, Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Mercedes is like, Come on, Marley, you can do it. Like you But can- yet the worst thing they did was put her on a song with Mercedes. Who had like the greatest belting voice. <laughs> They're like, Mar- Marley, you're the next Mercedes. <laughs> are you kidding me? But that's a different show. Yeah. Well, they That's decided even, they even did that in the first episode where they had her with Rachel. That was mm-hmm. the same problem. Like, don't put, like, as you said, Melissa has a like a lovely voice, but don't put her next to like these, you know, big Broadway belters because she just can't, you know, she just can't compete. Yeah, it's um, she almost sounds like she's forcing it sometimes when she's mm. put next to these people. Like I noticed yeah. that too. Like she, she and Alex um, did some performances post post glee and like again she has a wonderful voice but when she's like with these other people she she sounds forced compared to these powerhouses (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah well and interestingly 
this particular episode doesn't really focus at all on any of the newbies anyway, though. They're kind of all in the background for this. They do some... They pull Except some for the Diva song. Yeah. And as I said, they pull some great faces in the background <laughs> when, the, when the camera chooses to focus on them. Really quickly, going off the Finn-Emma thing, though, um, I just want to say, Finn, because we've been tracking this all season, Finn's continued relationship with coffee appears again. Yeah, it put, it put so much sugar <laughs> in it. <laughs> just dumps the sugar in it. Going. <laughs> I can't believe that's been a running joke. So it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, Finn and coffee. What was, well, I'm pretty sure people, when this was originally airing, people were keeping track of this. They were. They called it Foffy. <laughs> The Foffy, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, they decide to do a Dio week, and I love Emma's introduction to it. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes! <laughs> and it just keeps going on and on, and she's oblivious to like the <laughs> the kids talking amongst themselves or having their fantasy sequence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like. Yeah, my fa- favorite is that like it cuts to them leaving, and then all of a sudden, like they're just back in their seats, and she's still talking. <sighs> yeah, I like Bethany like, had, I, said the um, great line of "She's not a trick asshole." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she does not sweat the haters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so great. Then she goes on about how she like is a picky orderer at um, <laughs> breadsticks. <laughs> I just love that she like considers herself a diva too. Yeah, she's really not. I know, <laughs> but like that's I like Emma without Will when we get to see her without Will sometimes because she has such like she has a strong self confidence mm-hmm. that like is very um, counterbalanced by her anxiety and her OCD. Um, that it's she's really interesting character that I think Jayma Mays does an awesome job with uh, with Emma. Um, When they first announced it, Jake says, oh, you know, um, there goes anything for the guys this week, and that's when Blaine pipes up. (laughs) (laughs) But none of the other guys even try. None of them even try. No, they don't. Well, you know what's interesting about this opening thing? Because Unique starts talking smack, and Tina starts talking smack, and even Brittany gets on, and Brittany's not really a diva either. But Kitty sits in the background and just kind of watches. she doesn't do anything. (laughs) Actually, just just as a quick aside, just because this this came out, like, as I was watching it, I noticed it. When um, Tina and Unique are, like, talking smack at each other, uh, Tina says something about... um, I have more diva in me than you do in your whole angry inch unique. And it just made me really happy. Just, <laughs> Is that just the, quickly. I don't think that's even the first Hedwig. It wasn't because she, I remember because I, I took, the, I took a screen cap. She wanted to do Hedwig when they were talking about what. <laughs> yeah. Um, for the play. For the play. Yeah. And I was like, Oh man, if only, but. <laughs> <laughs> it just, yeah. They're um, everywhere apparently. Yeah, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. We're talking about how Kitty's not not a diva, apparently. I just think it's a nice character choice, actually, because Kitty, in the second half, has been kind of toned down, and I don't know, I I think that, you know, my enjoyment of her goes up the more, you know, she kind of plays the background. she, She has a diva attitude, but, like, the... She has the, like, self-confidence and, like, 
takes no shit kind of attitude, but like Diva is also a performer and like wants to be the star of everything. And I never think of that as Kitty wants to be like the center of attention, like performing. Like we see it too with um in Tina um the 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 prom episode where she's like you know, it's not even my problem. I don't want to be a prom queen. Like she, she doesn't need to be center of attention all the time, which I, I feel like a lot of the others, they just like have this want to be in the center of attention. And that's like part of the, the drama of Glee is there's so many divas. Well, I don't know. I feel like had you told me at the start of the season that they were doing a diva episode, I would have been like, Oh yeah, Kitty is totally going to feature. But then like, <laughs> as the, as you say, as the season progresses, she kind of mellows out, and yeah. then she's not. And I guess that I guess that was probably a decision on their part not to have her. And and it works, especially where she goes, as you say, like later with the with the season five stuff. But I don't know. This is kind of like in that midway point where it could have gone either way. She really did look good in that diva number, so she could have she could have been in it. Yeah. So you guys want to talk about the diva number a little bit? They all look. They all look good in that number. <laughs> what, uh, one thing with the, the diva number, listening to it, is, like, it's obvious that Darren's not singing in it. But they I have, like, it, this this stock voice. You can hear, there is a male voice that you can sort of hear, I think, in the chorus. but Yeah, but it's not it. his voice. I don't, I, I don't remember. I thought at one point someone tried to isolate the audio and you could maybe hear him, but I can't remember. It was a very long time ago. <laughs> Um, he was sick that week. Like, mm. he, was he really sick? Like, like, that's that wasn't just part of the whole thing. No, he when he no, I think he, he said was, when he was either performing or singing "Don't Stop Me Now." Stop he had like a hundred plus yeah. fever. He was actually I think it really was when sick. he was performing yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. I thought it was just part of the plot. No, he, he was actually like really sick for this whole episode. So yeah, yeah. ironically. <laughs> Oh, I thought he was just really good at know, it. No, knowing Glee writers, I wonder if they yeah, like wrote that well, in because he was the sick. Same thing. <laughs> um, so yeah, we get this diva performance. First of all, when oh, they, oh. I love the look on everybody's face as the the divas all walk out, and Kitty especially. <laughs> yeah. This is you're just like, what the frick is going on? It's so funny. That Blaine just keeps popping his jacket. This this like. <laughs> Like, as if that makes him, like, yeah, I have attitude. <laughs> well, and then it's interesting that, you know, when they're all getting ready, quote-unquote, I mean, is this, I've never seen the music video to this, so is this, like, at all, like, the music video, or, I don't know. I haven't, actually. <laughs> I haven't seen it either. Let's see if I can, like. But, um, but I don't think it is. They're all being difficult to, like. And you've got Kitty, who's helping Unique, and Marley is helping Blaine. I think that's really funny, because, like, who's helping her get ready? Sam is helping Brittany, and I don't know. I think that that just points out that Marley is not a diva. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't show anybody helping Marley get ready. I mean, but Sam's helping... No, Sam's helping Tina. Okay, so, anyway. So, yeah, and then they the really great walkway... It's just a really oh. fun number. Yeah. They, as I said, they all look so good. 
I just love uh, everybody's looks. They just, they're amazing. All these lovely divas. I love the costuming in this. That's what I meant. Like, they all look so good in those costumes. Yeah. They would look better out of the costumes. That's true. But are you, do you mean completely naked? It's Darren Chris. What do you think? <laughs> like, I, I We have seen them. it. We <laughs> have. But, like, I, I found you, a gift set short? of this performance, and it's just like, of and it's like every so often there's a shot of Blaine and you realize that underneath all the gel and the sweaters and the dork, he could pound you through the mattress and you would beg him on like no. <laughs> this which is why which is why just a later when Tina's talking about a sexless relationship, I'm like, girl, no. <laughs> no. no. You'd be so unfulfilled. <laughs> and it, it he would not enjoy that. We're going to have to label this the second after dark episode. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> but I, no, I know exactly I know exactly what moment you're talking about because it kind of does this like snarl. Yeah, and he like flips the sweater off. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Yep. I know exactly what moment <laughs> I that. I put up on my template like last month. Yeah, that post is talking about. I know exactly yeah. which one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. So, yeah, there's not a whole lot. I mean, I, I don't know if there's really a whole lot to get into. Like, it's pretty self-explanatory. And, you know, a lot of songs on the show, you can, like, dissect the lyrics and go through the meaning. And this one is pretty visual <laughs> with it. I mean, it's I'm a diva. That's, you know, here I am. Look at me. And I think it's, I don't know, I think it's interesting. And it's a, I'm amazed they didn't do a diva episode back in season two. But, you know, I think this really works here. I, I think that... I don't know. I, I, I think theatricality counted as their diva-esque episode oh, that's back in true. season one. Yeah. So, that is very like, true. If, if I was to think of it, any of the other episodes, that would be the one that would come to my mind as their diva episode. Oh, yeah. Okay. Talk about it. We should do an episode off. Theatricality versus diva. Man. Mm. But theatricality has the wonderful, wonderful Bert speech to Finn, which is probably one of my favorite yeah. Finn, Bert and Finn elements. I don't and know it that. has my balls are falling off. Oh, I know that <laughs> feeling. <laughs> oh, Tina. You know, both of these episodes are about Tina. But anyway, <laughs> uh, before we get to Tina, though, um, let's talk just a little bit about the Phil. The Phil. Gosh, where did that even come from? The Will and Emma and Finn. I was trying to say all three of them at the same time. Um, Plotline. And we, we don't, it's not really a whole lot, but... Um, you know, Finn and Emma, gosh, uh, uh, there is another scene in the office. She's still trying to figure stuff out and, um, she's helping Finn because Rachel moved in with Brody a couple episodes ago, episodes ago, or was that for previous episode? What episode are we Brody, at? Brody, Brody moved in, didn't he? Yeah. He moved, he moved into the, into the loft. But wait, was that? Was that the episode where he's wandering around naked? No, and, like, that's, see, that's Cut's face. No, that's <laughs> naked. Okay. Oh, of course that's naked. Duh. <laughs> that would make sense. No, and Sadie Hawkins, and then and Finn's really upset about it because it, it, she changed her Facebook status to shacked up. Which, come on, Rachel. Yeah, that's and tacky. still heartbroken. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Rachel. That's so in character. <laughs> But then, yeah, you get this subtle flirting between the two of them, which is a little weird. Oh. It is, but honestly, I, I, 
in the brief moments that we see of them, I feel like I feel more for them now than I have about Will and Emma in such a long time, and I don't know why. Mm. Like, it is a bit creepy, but maybe it works because I remember as soon as, like, Finn has graduated, I'm like, okay, now he was Corey's age that Corey was when he was performing it, so it doesn't seem as weird. I don't know. No, that makes a lot of sense. Well, and also, um, I don't know, there's two very nice characters. There are two characters you enjoy, or at least I enjoy watching, and Mm -hmm. it is creepy in a lot of levels, but at the same time, there's chemistry there that I don't necessarily feel with Will and Emma anymore, so. Yeah. I, I never got a, like, romantic chemistry. I thought they, like, were getting along very well. Emma's helping out Finn. Finn was helping out Emma. But, like, the... I never got the chemistry. Even, like, when when there's a kiss, it's obviously... It's not reciprocated on Emma's part. She, like, she's like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, yeah, no, no. I guess I meant more of, like... For example, she's like, oh, you know, there's a, you know, new teacher, and he's like, she's 26, but it's kind of a friendly, like, fun, like, they could be yeah. BFFs type thing is where I they, was thinking. Yeah, of. they definitely, I, I really like that they're, they're friends, and it's like, at this point, Emma needs somebody because, like, Will's gone, and she's, like, freaking out over the wedding, and, like, she needs more friends outside of school, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they both do. Yeah, and and Finn's kind of like stuck in this, like still post got kicked out of the army, got like doesn't want to be a Lima loser, but doesn't really know where he's going. Kind of mm. like situation he's been in all year, and and so like. It's it's good they have each other as that, that friendship and it's they're really sweet together like as which, friends, which just makes me really sad that it kind of ends with what happens at the end of the episode because as you say it was it was kind of working really well and it was an interesting I feel like it was a sort of dynamic that we've not necessarily seen in a while and yeah and it just kind of ends and I get that that was probably because Jamie didn't was like was not a full time cast member at this point but. It's like the old uh, Harry Met Sally like question: Can two people of the opposite sex, who are attracted to the opposite sex, um, be friends or not? And they, and they were like, making it work. They should be able to. <laughs> well, and you know what's interesting because we can talk about because I, I wanted it. I didn't mind jumping around on this one. Um, talking about the end of the episode where. She's freaking out, and he kisses her, and how it yeah. is really uncomfortable. But somebody once once mentioned in Meta forever ago that that might have been something he used to do to Rachel to calm her yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Like Finn's first reaction when a girl is freaking out is to like kiss her to calm her down. Yeah, which it's, I mean, well, whatever you want to say about that, go for it. But like, yeah, I, yeah. obviously it's inappropriate and not the nice thing about this particular moment is that she uh, Emma is like this is wrong but it's not like she doesn't have some she doesn't have some kind of secret desire like that was wrong don't do that again don't you know yeah and it it doesn't even matter to her really like she doesn't like she doesn't even consider it a bad thing like it's just like it happened okay moving on I'm still freaking out about my wedding and it's like 
I have other things to worry about. Like, and but Finn, on the other hand, feels really bad about it. Like in in the next couple episodes, and like because of his weird relationship with Will. Yeah, that's um, the weirdest part. I mean, to to it is probably bad to jump further ahead, but the fact that it, it ruins Will and Finn, uh, yeah, Will and Finn's friendship, like it 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 just frustrates me because it's like <clears throat> there was nothing to it, and there was nothing to worry about. Why did why did Will then have to like literally like fall apart about it? I don't know. Because Will is a douchebag. Because <laughs> Will is awful. Yeah. That is the answer to that question. <laughs> so, so, we, so they could have that that feud episode, whatever, however many episodes later. Uh, um. So that's kind of Finn and why do I keep wanting to say Phil? I don't understand that. Finn and Emma don't that's, even make that's Phil. Emma. I, I, I will I, just as a quick aside, as Emma is something that I wrote down. Um, not because I'm still super salty about it, but um, the fact that we got to see Emma and Will planning their wedding and we never got to see certain other people plan their wedding made me a little bit mad. But I suppose we've seen so many people plan weddings in this show. Like, did we really need to see I mean, did else? you really want to see a, a, <laughs> a, a um, episode where Clayne picks out chairs? Well, I would have. I would have. <laughs> I would have. <laughs> But I did appreciate Emma's big, like, checklist. And one of the things that I was able to make out on that checklist was one of the things she needed to do was purchase unmentionables. And I was just like, <laughs> well done, Emma. That's, that's a good thing to have on your list. Yeah. I could I could definitely relate to, to Emma because she was saying, like, I'm a Libra. I can do that alone. And I'm just like, I've been there, done that, and I'm a Libra. <laughs> Just like, but I get where she's coming from because it looks like she's planning the whole thing by herself, and mm. Will's probably kind of person's like, "Oh yeah, that's fine, whatever you want, dear," and that's just going to set her OCD through the roof, which it does. Which does and I, I, I understand that frustration of no, you need yeah. to give an actual opinion. Yeah, I not to mention he has been in Washington, which I, I get sometimes. You know, you know, but he has been pushing for this wedding, pushing for this wedding, and then says, "Hey, I'm going to leave. You deal with this." And when I get back, I'll just get married. And I, it's no wonder she leaves him at the freaking altar. I mean, <laughs> but yeah. So, um, anybody, did you guys, I know you guys had a lot of notes, anything about Finn and Emma before I move on to Santana? I just don't want, I just wanted to quickly say, I found it interesting that she brought up her last, uh, marriage. Cause Again, people like to be all like, oh, Clee has bad continuity. And it never felt like they retconned that relationship because she literally, she actually says, like, it was my OCD that kind of, you know, was a problem from the start and we never dealt with it. And that's eventually what led to that relationship's downfall. And I was like, yeah. And the fact she wasn't sexually attracted to him at all. And yeah, like that, that (laughs) often a problem in relationships. I, I think it's interesting that Emma is now on her third like engagement yeah. wedding stuff. I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like sweet little Emma's on her like third marriage. Well, she didn't go through the first one, but like God, she's that, that's yeah. Eva. <laughs> she, <laughs> she's not a trick ass hoe. That phrase is so funny. Okay, um, <laughs> from that little that little redheaded, like unassuming. 
So, moving on to one of the biggest divas on the show, um, we get the return of Santana. And it's so yeah. funny when she, when Finn announces that, you know, we have a special guest, and even Brittany is like, really? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you, you couldn't find Mercedes? <laughs> no? Oh. This uh. is like the second time in like five episodes, you know, maybe not quite, no, it was not quite five, it's like eight, that he invites her and she comes. The first time was like to do the musical, and then she rocks up to. Well, she doesn't do really have much to do. She's, I mean, like the whole underlining. I mean, while I still think it was kind of a, a bad choice to not um, bring her to New York right away, I do understand. Like her little plotline through the season, as small as it is, is about her kind of floundering and trying to figure out where she yeah. was, and that she doesn't want to be a cheerleader and forever in Kentucky. So she gets herself uh-huh. out to New York, but. Yeah, she she comes in. She's got all of the cheerleaders with her. Um, yeah. I, you know, unpopular opinion time. I just don't like the song. I'm sorry. You're not alone okay. in that. Okay, I yeah. as I said, I completely forgot that she was in this episode, and then she showed up and she started singing the Nutbush. I don't know if this is an Australian thing, but anytime you play the Nutbush at a party in Australia, everybody there's this dance that like every Australian knows, and everybody just starts dance. It's like a line dance. And so I had to pause the episode and go and find it. And I watched like four different groups do the nutbush. And then I was like, okay, I'm done now. And then I came back. I don't think I've (laughs) ever heard the song outside of this show. Like I didn't know it before. As I said, Um, it was so strange to me. And I was like, is this just an Australian? I think it is. But anyway, I should. You should link us to that. That's very fascinating. I will. I should find it. Like, as I say, every every Australian, you play it at a party and everyone gets up and dances. It's like the Macarena, (laughs) but with your feet. Or or like the, um, uh, what was that? I'm going to have to write down the Australian Macarena for this title of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) That's what the Nutbush is, though. The Australian Macarena. I mean, we still do the Macarena, but like, we do our own dance with the Nutbush. It's really weird. And it blew my mind to find out that nobody else does. Um, so let's talk about the fact that Santana had to hire a girlfriend. (laughs) Uh. I, this is, it was really, like, back when this, um, episode aired, it was really weird that this plotline came up because, like, Sam and Brittany had been dating since... Like, before Christmas? Yeah, they were dating in Swan Song. Mm. Yeah, they were dating, like, was was it Thanksgiving, like, that they yeah, started what, when they had the... Swan Song was after, just the episode after Thanksgiving, so yeah. yeah. Something stupid. The thing that good, got me, song. But, and I um, wrote it... Yeah, I, read I, it. I was just saying that uh, it's weird that, like, between... That episode, Thanksgiving, and this, when it's in, like, January or February, maybe early February, um, and, like, Santana didn't know about it before then, didn't come, and, and that all of a sudden, like, they they broke up in early November, and now she, she comes and sings, like, she's mine, Ugh. stay away from her, like, it... it it's a plotline that never made sense to me that she came here for to just intimidate Sam and like. Well, I wrote down in my notes like three or four times that 
Zatanna, you broke out with Brittany. Like, what are you doing here? Well, I think it's not necessarily... um, I I do agree that, yeah, why wasn't she way more aware of... Like, Tina called... First of all, Tina called Santana up. (laughs) Just just says, Bram. I mean, come on. (laughs) But maybe she didn't think of, you know, doing anything about it until Finn calls her up and says, Hey, will you come back? And, yeah, I can just, like, you know, I don't know. Who knows? I, it, you're right. It doesn't make much sense. It's like, oh, yeah, we should probably deal with this plot line. Let's put it in this episode. Because um, it makes sense to bring Santana around because it's a diva episode. And, I mean, and it, I, I like the storyline for her character. But you're right. It, it could have happened in the fall, not in the in the spring. But, um I think part of the reason, as I said, like I forgot that she was in this episode was because that number between her and Sam where they're singing that girl is mine just made me so uncomfortable. And like, mm-hmm. don't sing about Britney as if she's not a real person because like, she is. <laughs> and just <laughs> uh, everything wrong with like, two guys fighting over a girl, except in this case, it's two people fighting over the, the same person who happens to be It, it kind of reminds me of first season when Mercedes and Santana saying the boy is mine about Puck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but for some reason that didn't feel as creepy because I think it's... Because it's fire. And it's the boy is mine, which is an awesome song. Like, <laughs> Yeah, she's mine. But, um, it doesn't... It feels, you're right, a little out of nowhere too. I mean, but I can understand in the context of Santana's really struggling and doesn't know her place. So maybe she feels like her her place is back in Lima and back with Brittany and back in her old life. I I don't think they, they express that well enough though. I I think like, I, I like the the storyline that she doesn't feel comfortable. She doesn't know her place. Like, but I just don't feel like they develop that well enough either by saying, Hey, I want you back. Brittany, blah blah blah. Um, she doesn't really. She she goes after Sam instead of after Brittany, saying like, yeah. <laughs> and I, also, um, I also wrote down a couple of times like, Santana, you also dated Sam. Like, <laughs> do you not remember that? No, probably the show probably does not remember that. Isn't that just convenient? Sam dated everybody. Yeah, that's true. Seven Blaine, which is really sad. <clears throat> Blaine wants to do him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, is does watch it in, and I, uh, one thing. Well, before we get to the end of the Santana thing, I want to talk about. Um, she does go to Sue, and Sue offers her a job. Though I do think it's Sue is always because that she. What am I trying to say? Sue doesn't think that Santana's really going to stay. She knows that Santana oh, yeah. needs to get her life going. But, and, it's, it is, it's, it is nice, though, that, like, you see that you have this moment of her, at least, whether or not she legitimately thought she'd take it up, but she does actually offer her a position. And she says something about how, how Finn's back, too, and how you could be here as well. And it kind of made me wonder where the show would have gone had Santana taken over the Sue role and Finn mm-hmm. stayed as the Will role. Like, we would have just had, you know, uh, Santana and Finn being the new... New generation. Will. Of, yeah. yeah. I'm glad it didn't, but I just yeah. like it was interesting <laughs> to think about. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I have a point um, here with with Sue and Santana. It's it's interesting. Um, what came out of nowhere, like in this sixth season, when like 
how vehemently Santana does not want Sue at the wedding and how she like seems to hate Sue more than anybody at that point is like they didn't really have that horrible of a relationship. As Sue says in this episode, like I see myself in you. Like Well, she says that know, about like everybody. That's true. That's true. But like I feel like <laughs> of all of all the characters yeah. Sue probably felt and, the closest And how protective she was uh when Santana was outed. Yeah. I, I will say this, I'm gonna throw this out there that when you are going through grief that that changes perspective on things and sometimes uh-huh. your emotions will get really distorted and your anger can be displaced and not to really get into the stuff with the quarterback now. Um, I do think that's just an entirely different context and situation. I, I do think that Sue um, is kind of the mentory role for Santana and, and also Quinn uh-huh. and to an extent a little bit to Kurt and uh, the same way Will is to Rachel and Finn, and yeah. that's about it. Um. Yeah, not great mentors. <laughs> no, <laughs> but mentors. <laughs> so, so yeah. I I am. Oh, I was going to say, I'm glad I would have been interested if Finn had finally taken over for Will. However, I think for Santana, her character is best used over in the New York side. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, the, the difference that she makes immediately, like, over there, it just brings something extra. Because one thing that I did write down, because I, I I didn't watch, like I kind of skipped over the New York stuff because we didn't have to watch it. But how colorful McKinley is! This happened after like Tina does her number, and then you go to New York and it's just like not, <laughs> and it makes mm-hmm. me so sad. And especially given how colorful it becomes at the start, like at season at the start of season five, but like it's just so drab and dreary. Or even the the rest of season four. Like, once yeah, once Santana arrives, but it's just yeah. the no, not as much color. Yeah. Even with their costuming, I don't know what it is. No, it is. It's something that we talked quite a bit about, especially at the beginning of the season. That well, the whole show was kind of a darker tone, and Lima has yeah. since kind of gotten some color back. But New York really doesn't until yeah. I actually can pinpoint when the show really becomes bright. It's wonderful because that is the episode where Ryan Murphy wanted to write about orange. <laughs> <laughs> so everything just blew up in color and that kind of carried over to season five and yeah mm-hmm. well, the, the very first season of season five but it always made me wonder just I mean this is an aside but whether or not they wanted to be they needed to be bright and colorful given everything that had happened in that high yeah like and it, they needed to set a tone well season four got really dark to the point they they had the the shooting episode and yeah. right right after that two after that they had a blackout episode Mm. It got so dark, the lights went out. <laughs> but that episode was a mess. So we don't talk about it. <laughs> I like that episode. What? I do. No, but I've always, I'm, I'm always, okay, always going to um, be salty I, about the deleted scenes with Nightbird. Okay, that's the only thing that makes me mad. I, I'm just gonna. Uh, it's made up by the uh, the workout scene. Yeah, I know that that definitely <laughs> helps. <laughs> um, well, getting back to this episode, um, <laughs> just wrapping up the Santana stuff. She has this nice conversation with Brittany. Yeah, as awful as the scene is between her and Sam, the one between her and Brittany is really lovely. Yeah, she should have stayed away from Sam and to yeah, begin with. Just, just gone to talk to Brittany like an adult would. 
Yeah, but they're like 18. So they're well, like, well, then, yeah, Brittany says, um, Brittany, I wrote this down. Brittany, who says, like, we're young, you know, Rachel got a new man. Apparently, Kurt did too. Lol. Um, but I was like, where have I heard that before? Because the whole reason why Kurt's like, we should break up in season six is because he's like, we're too young. We shouldn't get married now. And I just found that to be really interesting. I think he, she says we're too young. I should just find out. Hang on. I, I think know. that's an interesting look, too, in, in how Brittany views her relationship with Sam, that she really enjoys Sam and he, he makes her feel good, but she doesn't hot. see it as, like, a long-term thing. But I also think Brittany kind of understands the present more than anybody else does. Like, uh-huh. she's like, you know, you have to go out. Like, like you told me during the breakup episode... You know, we have to go live these other lives for a while. So I, this is me telling you to go off and live your dream, just like you told me that, you know. No, I just thought, like, how how Brittany is so, like, breaking uh, fourth wall. Like, she would say that. Like, that would be, like, her quote from, remember that breakup episode? <laughs> like, <laughs> she would say that in the show. I just I like Brittany. She's like doing her voiceovers. Oh. <laughs> so where she's like, I thought this was in a voiceover. Um, Brittany 2.0. Yeah, <laughs> and Blaine's like, okay. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a Britana fan. Like I don't hate them or anything. It's like I, people, you know, whenever I say I'm not a fan, it's it always sounds like it's an anti thing, and I'm not. I just don't have any investment in it. Um, it's very but, polarizing. Yeah. It's it's like I'm indifferent towards it, but this is a really nice scene between the two of them, and it kind of yeah. highlights the fact that they are still friends and good friends. And and yeah, I like also just because I want to bring it up again, Santana, you don't need to hire yourself a girlfriend. Come on, that's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like you that, know, where where is that? How is that believable? <laughs> that she would need a hot you know, for Brit Britanna, Why like? I, I really like them together, but I never was a huge fan because, like, I never really liked Santana because I don't really like mean characters, and she's a mean character. But, like, as a fan who's watched and rewatched and re rewatched five times since, <laughs> 50 times since the, um, the series ended, she's, like, become more and more, like, grown on me and I enjoy Santana more and more even though Clayne is still my you yeah. know <laughs> ship I will go I would have on. never guessed that Carly <laughs> <laughs> oh and I didn't tell you this before but Tina's my favorite you know oh okay <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, Santana, <laughs> Santana does, I think a lot of people feel, you know, a lot of people love her. A lot of people hate her. Mm-hmm. She's kind of up and down for me. I think there are definite times when I can't stand the character cause she just does get too mean, kind of like Kitty mm-hmm. will be. Yeah. And then there are times when I really root for her and this is kind yeah. of one of them. I mean, this, this is definitely like this, uh, the, um, the song, um, girl on fire and like the whole sentiment around it and like the the action the um what it means uh plot wise is like my favorite santana moment 
I I love what they did in that she's walking out and nobody notices her, notices her. Like Brittany doesn't notice her. There aren't any other people. Sue does and Sam does. In a I'm glad you're going and, and finding your way. But I kind of like good luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like you were talking about moments where she's mean and moments where she has like good. I feel like this episode encapsulates that because at the very beginning of the episode I'm really angry with her and I don't like uh-huh. how she's treating Brittany and what she's doing and then yeah. at the very end of the episode I'm like oh no this is a good moment this is what more of what I want to see like yeah. literally this entire argument in one episode yeah it's just she has so to be strange. mean in order to like it's part of her coping mechanism or yeah did she say that at one point like I think yeah she does I don't remember yeah I can't help it. Everybody thinks I'm a bitch, and I'm not just. I'm, I just tell everybody what I think, like, <laughs> something like that. Oh, um, I can picture it. It's not fire the part. No, it's a different episode where it's she in comes out of. Two. No, no. Um, in this season, she comes out of a a um. Uh, a subway. No, that's this episode. Pigeons, that's all of this episode. Pigeons fly in her face. Oh no, that's, oh, um, yeah, no, that's in New York. Fun. No, sorry, the, I'm talking about I'm talking about the bit where she's crying and she's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, I I'm pretty sure that's some point in season two when they're not. That's cheering. in season two. But yeah, the bit with the with the pigeons, I think, isn't that is that new dog? That's backup oh, plan or oh no, opening backup. night, opening night when Rachel has her wow. opening night. I love that. <laughs> I wonder. Oh my god, I love that. Kind of like. Like laughing she, at this whole moment where everybody kind of appears and like walks up the subway. <laughs> she she like appears in all of her glory and then like pigeons <laughs> fly in her face. <laughs> I don't know, it's perfect. Um, but yeah, yeah. The end of this at, one though at, is where every where she sings her way, just like everybody else. Like everybody except for Kurt uh, sings her way to New York, and she comes up probably the same steps that Rachel oh. did because they only have one set. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, trying to make out what like streets it was, and I uh, couldn't. But that's okay. Yeah, and she, yeah, she arrives in New York. It's it's very triumphant the the way she yeah. arrives. Like, it's almost the best arrival to New York. But I just like she's just like I, basically like, I'm moving in. I'm like you don't want to call them more, you know? <laughs> no, Santana wouldn't. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, but I'm like so hurt. How awful. Like, you should really let somebody know. Although, given how much money that she has, she's probably, like, covering all their rent, so... Well, well no, she doesn't even get a bedroom, like... That's true. Didn't they talk about that, like, later? Like, we... Gosh, what... Oh, yeah, we... we it's are, a freaking one-room loft, loft, and at yeah. one point, they have, like, four or five people living there. Yeah. <laughs> so... Okay, so... Moving back again to the beginning of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like how we're doing that, that we're following like just one plot. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've been doing all season. And usually in my agenda, that's what I've been. I just feel bad that I didn't give you one. <laughs> so I'm sorry, but I, I I'm think very disorganized. It does very well in this episode because they're like three singular plots. Yeah. I mean, they kind of yeah. mesh a little bit with the whole theme, but it, it reminds me a lot of earlier episodes when they did you know one uh-huh. theme and they had three or four plot lines 
as opposed to just bits and pieces of everything everywhere and everybody has a plot line and it's just yeah. stuff full it's kind of crazy so well i guess I they like, have four plots because they have new york plots right but we're ignoring that for right now so yeah that's <laughs> the other other podcast other I, I can i just i just because i did again wrote this down i didn't watch any of the new york stuff but i did i just say for a diva off between Kurt and Rachel, and I get they did it because like Miz was coming out at the time, but they could have picked a better song to bring him home. It's not. It's too slow. It's like you have all these awesome numbers happening on the other side, and then you have them sing "Bring Him Home." Like, ugh. yeah, it it is very con- uh, like very slow compared to the yeah. other of the, of this episode. As I said, it Hugh Jackman down, can yeah. be a diva too. Yeah, but I just, it just didn't seem to fit. As I said, I know that they were going for a whole, like, oh, yeah, Les Mis is coming out now. Let's cash in. But I just, you could have picked any other song from Les Mis as well. Anyway, sorry. I just had to, I just had to bring that up because I wrote it down even though I didn't even watch the New York stuff. Except for <laughs> the Truth Time stuff because that stuff's great. You should feel better now. You've gotten it out. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's been boiling. It's been there the whole time. No, it's all good. <laughs> You have to let it out. It's like yeah. <laughs> the steam will like explode if you don't. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, exactly. I got it out there. That's all that matters. Anyways, let's talk about Blaine and Tina. <laughs> let's talk about Blaine and Tina. Okay, so to give context to set this up, because I always feel bad that I don't always give context and it sounds weird. Um, <laughs> that, you know, we've got the start of this and, and Tina's already kind of bolstering from the opening diva act and Blaine is sick. Um, oh, poor boy. Uh, I would like <laughs> to. I would like to point out he's before so we get so into sick. any of this. He's like a little puppy. Every time, every time it focuses on him being sick, I start singing the uh, start singing cough syrup because you guys are depressing. Because he was he had a cold. He needed some cough syrup. He should have sung this song in that that song in this episode. Would have made more sense than the last. Huh? Okay, you know what? I'm gonna ask Carly. I know you're a big Tina fan, so I'm gonna ask you this. Okay. Blaine, mm-hmm. in this episode, has all of his pictures of Kurt back up in his locker. He has a shrine in his bedroom. Why? <laughs> what is going through Tina's brain? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever goes through Tina's brain. Um, no, I think Tina this year, like, she, she went into this year thinking, like, this is her year. Um, cause that's basically what she was promised at the end of the last year. Like they said it a couple times in that episode with the head injury and everything. Mm. Um, and it hasn't exactly been her year because you have all the newbies come in and they've kind of stolen her glory. And then Santana took over for unique as, as Rizzo and, and then Santana comes back in this episode and, um, Mike broke up with her over the summer or mutual. I don't know. But, and he keeps coming back. And, like, she's always been overlooked. Like. Right. Like Jenny says later, Tina never wins anything. <laughs> I guess my question, I guess we'll get into it more when we get into yeah, further I, scenes. But, I, I like, okay, so th- during this scene, they're they're kind of Blaine's getting ready for his diva stuff because he's gonna bring it, and but he's obviously sick. Tina makes him this little cold buster kit. Uh-huh. I think Tina feels really ignored 
and like alone and um she she doesn't have a boyfriend right now which doesn't define you but she doesn't really Blaine is becoming her best friend um and she's if you think think about it like her best friends before have been Artie who became her boyfriend and Mike wasn't really her her boy her best friend but like she basically like only had Mike as a best friend slash boyfriend in the previous two seasons so like and I don't know like the attention you get from somebody like it's it's hard to sometimes distinguish like romantic versus platonic attention when when you've never when you've always had like the kind of combination in the past I think that's her issue okay well they talk about it in I think is it guilty pleasures where it actually comes up where Blaine's like I just need it you they're having a conversation like you just need somewhere to put your love that's back in the city Hawkins yeah yeah, but which is, um, and I was like, I guess, yeah, she just needed somewhere to put her love, and what better where to what 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 better place to put it than to give it to someone who can't reciprocate it, um, which means then you're like, even if you are rejected, like it's never going to be because of you. It's for reasons that are outside and beyond your control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's it's very like- safe. Her anger later in the episode, I don't think, is really anger directed at Blaine, but so more in a general like nobody's paying attention to me. Like, yeah. like I just, I just need somebody to love me and and pay attention to me and like put me above others. You know what's interesting that I noticed kind of on this rewatch is that. This whole Tina Blaine plotline is from Tina's point of view. And yeah. I'm not necessarily saying that it's on reliable narrator because you can obviously you're not reading it, you're watching it. But it's kind of funny, like in this opening scene, when he's like, oh, thank you for, um, you know, the cold buster kit. And she's like, oh, you're so wonderful. And it's kind of from her point of view. And it's, it's actually a lot like, and I know this comparison has been made a long time ago, but how Kurt was in season two. Like everything is like, oh, this is how, you know, I'm going to interpret this as, attention and it's not until later that you may uh-huh. or may not realize that that wasn't exactly what you were thinking it was um. well I, I you were gonna say um Kurt I thought you were gonna say Kurt in season one with like Finn oh that's probably a better um, comparison no no but I but as you say Finn I'm um, Kurt in season two like especially later I actually wrote this down um somewhere when Tina's getting all angry about Blaine for at Blaine for not noticing I was thinking about how like in season two he's is kind of I mean Everyone likes to talk about Oblivious Blaine. He kind of does catch mm-hmm. on by about the Valentine's Day episode because he talks about how not wanting to screw this up. But, like, that was just kind of his thing. He was, like, not necessarily, you know, he didn't have this view for people being interested in him. And at this stage, you've kind of got to, if you notice, he's put all these pictures of Kurt back up in his locker. He's obviously still, like, you know, harboring that. If, if that's what he's focusing on, he's not going to notice you, Tina. I'm sorry. Yeah. And, you know, some people, like, the the way they treat people, like, 
those kind of people who are like over affectionate and kind of like the way they act is just yeah. flirty all the time, even yeah. when they mean it in a friendly way. And and it can be, be taken in other ways. And I, I think that's kind of how Blaine is. He like he's huggy and he he's friendly true. with his his close friends. And um and not exactly flirty, but like it could be taken that way. And yeah. and I know like Tina's a smart girl and she logically she she knows even like in her speech she's like we could have a platonic whatever and but yeah. um which is oh my gosh Tina, yeah we'll get but, to that in a minute <laughs> like that's what you want but what does he want yeah it's it's, <laughs> it's just um she just enjoys the attention like having somebody who likes her and and she she needs that attention like right now she needs like she needs somebody to to say she's great and and she thinks it's like that will come from a certain kind of attention like a, a romantic attention and whereas she needs it from friends and like that's why I like Glam Tina so much because she has these two two friends who like put up with her like craziness <laughs> but also really support her and love her. So she she just has that little craziness and develops crushes on on gay well, guys because well, this is the thing, like she says this I feel this a lot, especially also in the next episode, where she says a lot of things that I, I think like I relate to in terms of like how much she loves Blaine. I'm like, yeah, I can, I can totally understand where you're coming from. But then there are moments where it's like, you just kind of takes it too far. And I'm <laughs> like, but then you go, would I do the same thing in that situation? No, no, I wouldn't. It's okay. It's okay. But you know, you don't, I guess you don't know. And as you, as you're saying, she's really lonely. So I guess, I mean, there's a point in this episode where if they'd stopped, it's you know they stopped the scene where where they should have stopped it. It would have been fine, but then the fact that it keeps going. But we'll get to that, I assume, when we get to the when we get to that. Yeah, but like mm-hmm. until that, it was it was kind of working, and it was really sad, and I was feeling, you know, feeling really sorry for her. And then of course it has to, it always seems to take it that extra step just to make it that little bit harder to relate to her. And that's what makes me really angry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, you know, it was it, it was working, and then you just you just ruined it. Yeah, that's so kind of going on uh, further with the, the storyline. We get Blaine singing um, "Don't Stop Me Now." I don't know about any of you guys. Um, if you played that dumb, addictive Glee Forever game, but. <laughs> Um, I have war flashbacks about Don't Stop Me Now because everybody else, all the other characters, had easy as, like, solos. And then Blaine had this stupid number. <laughs> all I gotta I say is it took, me like, game. it took me, like, 70 goes to full combo that song on Expert, but I finally did it, and it was, like, my greatest achievement. That's all. <laughs> I miss that oh, game so much. I miss it, too. <laughs> But I'm so glad that his solo wasn't something that, like, I mean, it, it's a good number, but, like, even, like, Darren is no Freddie Mercury. Like, no one can possibly compete oh, no, with that. No, no. So, like, 
I'm glad that it wasn't something that I actually really liked and would never now want to listen to again. It was at least this number, which is fun. And watching it, it's not like, you know, he was in like this little leather outfit and like, it's great. He knocks over a chair and dance, still stands at the piano really awkwardly. Yeah. Anyway. I thought it was kind of fun. I kind of like it. I like it. I'm not saying I don't like it. I just, as I said, that, that, that stupid game has kind of soured it for me a little bit. I I still think it's super impressive that he was like running at a hundred degrees plus fever and he, he did a good job. (laughs) It was, it was fun song. Yeah. It's good. Don't stop him now. He's unstoppable Blaine. You know, and I think that Blaine sometimes, maybe because of his connections to Kurt and Rachel and other people on the show, is underrated as a diva, but I do think he has a very mm-hmm. dramatic side to him. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but he is one more show choir accomplishment than everybody in that room. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm getting at. And, uh, you know, it is. It's not, it's, you know, I, I enjoy it. I, I have it on iTunes and I come back and listen to it. And no, nobody's really ever going to top Freddie Mercury, um, yeah. Adam Lambert, even though he's trying. Um, <laughs> but I think he did a, a good job for what it is. And it's yeah. fun. And don't stop playing now because he's going to just keep going. So I, I think it's also nice to see, like, like I said before, most of this is Tina's point of view, but it's nice to see Blaine have a moment where he is feeling kind of on top of again, because of so much of the season, Um, you know, he's been in a darker place and he's beginning to come more alive, especially post Christmas. So, well, yeah, because there's a (laughs) lot of subtext about how, where he kind of starts, especially after, you know, the breakup and then dynamic duets. And it's kind of like this journey up until, um, it's almost up until I think girls and boys on film where he's just kind of, he's running around having a great time singing songs while Kurt's the one having the big realization about their relationship. And like, it's just so nice to see, to see the difference between like now and like hopelessly devoted to you where he's just like, he can't sing anything. Uh, no wait, he, he doesn't want to play Danny Zuko because he ruined his own relationship. And like, he's so super dramatic. Like that's diva. <laughs> if I'm like, I can't be Danny Zuko because, you know, I have to play like I'm in love. Like, <clears throat> and just... then what was Artie's comment as like, I never seen Blaine so masterpiece <laughs> theater. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just like, yeah, he doesn't necessarily have much in the way of point of view in this episode, but it is nice, as you say, to see him just enjoying himself, mm-hmm. especially after all the crap that he's kind of gone through. We'll just ignore what happens later, but. Yeah, and I, I think after this came out, there was a, a resurgence in the bad boy Blaine fix. Oh, like, God bless. You know he just bedazzled that leather jacket himself, right? Like, God bless. Just, I think of when I think of bad boy as is, but... <laughs> well, this is the thing, is that the original bad boy fix that was around was, like, during season two, and if you go back and read it now, it doesn't necessarily gel with where they took Blaine's character. No. Whereas <laughs> if any any bad boy fig that was written after this episode feels a little bit more like Blaine because as you say, this bad boy Blaine like studs his own jacket. So and still it's, gels it's his hair. Bad boy as in like 
the Jets uh, West Side Story are, you know, like a hardcore gang, you know. Yeah, they'll be snapping and choreographed dance moves. <laughs> the worst thing I do is knock over chairs. <laughs> that was an expensive piano painting. <laughs> and it's not insured. <laughs> Maybe that's how he knows. <laughs> Maybe some he was jumping on the piano too much, yeah. and and somebody's like, uh, "Blaine, that's not insured." <laughs> He's like, "Oh." <laughs> um, so I do have a question for you guys. We kind of um, missed this in the previous locker scene. What do you guys think of the nicknames? I hate them. I hate them so much. They annoy me. <laughs> I think they were cute. Like, I think they were cute initially, but I don't. Uh, it always kind of makes me cringe a little bit when they show up in fan fiction. But then I think about how many nicknames me and my friends have for one another, and it really is like, well, that's sort of believable, I suppose. Like for friends to have nicknames. I just one feel another. like they went way overboard in this episode. Like every yeah, time like, they address each other, maybe usually you only kind of have one nickname though. So like one name that you refer to one another as within your friendship group. It would make sense if they only called one another, like, if she only called him Blaney Days, but she calls him other things too. Yeah. I, I think they were just, maybe he, the, it's Brad Felichuk that wrote this. Maybe he was just trying to go get as crazy as he could with it because it's, I'm like, okay, it just for me, it's cringeworthy. I'm like, stop. But I don't usually use <laughs> nicknames for anybody. So I'm just like. I thought it was cute. Oh. I have a I have a friendship group where we exclusively call one another by nickname, so like it's not that weird to me. No, I and yeah, I'm sure for people, like, I I just don't, so I'm, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I'm like, no, I I could, you know, but yeah, didn't Blaney days just like start popping up everywhere in fanfic? I'm like, well, the only yeah, that's that's what makes me cringe. The only time that I did like it was when it came back again in like the puppet episode. <laughs> when she's like, yeah, when she also we're, we're looking at it at his perspective from actual adults. Like if we were in high school, we'd probably yeah. feel a that, little that's different the thing. about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That is yeah. true. I don't know what if teenagers do that because again, I didn't have any friends in high school. But um, no, I did. I'm kidding. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. It just the it just because it went so far with it. It's like every time they address each other, it's yeah, a different they threw every single one of them at the wall to see which one would stick. Yeah. <laughs> As I said, it would it would made more sense to me if they'd have had one nickname that they exclusively called one another, not like a whole heap of different ones. Well, I I got the the sense that like usually they had one like, but like when they were just being cute together, and that was kind of their thing to just be cute together. They were like trading off. To annoy other people, almost. <laughs> like, I, I could get it if it was to annoy other people, because I can relate <laughs> to that. Like, you know, you, you're in, like, if Sam were there and they're exclusively calling one another by, like, nicknames just to kind of piss him off. Or, like, not piss him <laughs> off, but, like, you know. <laughs> but Make I don't, all I don't eyes. know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I don't know about, because it's just the two of them, though. Like, I don't know. I feel like I need someone else around for it to, for that, for that to work. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just I think it was probably just a cute thing. I don't I don't think it's something that they did all the time. Like like fan fiction has them do it. Yeah, all the time. yeah. Fan fiction has them do it all the time. That's Any funny. anything in this show like gets over. 
Yeah, anything, oh, right. the one one thing that, like, gets mentioned once and suddenly, and, and it gels with people, it's suddenly everywhere. Oh, my uh-huh. God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, but then you forget what happened and what didn't, so. Yeah. Um, so, the next thing we get is kind of the lead-in to the bedroom thing, and basically Blaine is trying to cheer up Tina and giving him all of these, um, all the what is it, all the kick-ass Asian divas? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Filing and B.D. Wong. The, uh, off, like, maybe, like, obscure uh, reference that possibly Blaine might be maybe a little bit Asian. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he knows Asian people. He must be Asian. Oh. We got we, we got wanted close. so much more. Like we got hey, we got close. Blaine. Really close. <laughs> Blaine actually has an Asian parent. Ah. <laughs> no, no. Instead, Blaine knows the name of Asian divas. <laughs> okay, so um we get this possibly one of the more controversial scenes in the entire show. Um, we get Tina, they're in the bedroom, she kind of goes, I mean, she's looking at all of these pictures of Kurt, and it's like, hey, have you ever been a girl with a girl? And Blaine's like, no. Perfect old star gay, the best line. Although, can we talk again about how one of the pictures on his bedside table is from the breakup, again? <laughs> Blaine, you poor <laughs> child. <God. laughs> like, obviously, yeah, it's- I... It's more of a glee thing than a than a like he actually has a picture of the night that he broke Kurt's heart because well, like, like he had the picture of of Kurt the night of the breakup the week before the breakup so because well, I re-listened to the last podcast that we did somewhat like not like recently which was um, uh, Makeover which again used that same picture yeah and yeah. I remember remember. Somebody, I can't remember, somebody had their headcanon that they were, like, remaking their first date, so they're wearing, like, the same outfits and whatnot. And I think <laughs> I've got to subscribe to that because it just doesn't make sense why he would have that yeah. in, on his bedside table. Well, and all I see is that they had, like, at the beginning of the season, they did some promo stills with the two of them, and then I'm pretty sure Chris was like, nope, I'm done. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure. I made a laugh. But... <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I should edit that out or not. But, um, <laughs> but um, I, it's probably the production, and they just had a, you know, they did a couple stills, and they're like, we're going to use these for whatever. And, yeah, and then that's what they used, so... Uh, you know, for a show that's very self-aware and aware that its fandom is, like, CSI and everything, I mm-hmm. am surprised they didn't try a little harder. But then, you know, it's still Glee, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then, okay, so here's my thing. I, I guess I'll go first, and maybe we can just go around and talk about this one by one. But um, So Tina, you know, she wants help. Blaine must be really out of it and on the cough syrup because he falls asleep really quickly. Um, oh, he said this is why you take him... nighttime cold medicine at night. He said it makes <laughs> him woozy. And this is, again, this is another thing that I don't know whether, you know, just kept coming up. But, like, this is the thing about Blaine being a lightweight, and I guess that comes from 
the drinking stuff in like the first time and then the stuff like that one beer makes him like yeah and then yeah. the stuff after his eye surgery so i guess it's sort of sort of kind of canon <laughs> yeah <laughs> wow really you have some weird continuity <laughs> the things that you remember <laughs> uh, but you know so okay So she does kind of make this confession that she's falling in love with him. And I think to a point, like when you kind of, okay, I don't know if I fully feel for her because she talked Mercedes out of falling in love with Kurt. But, you know, she is in a kind of a vulnerable spot. Vulnerable spot um, and 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 not really knowing where to place these feelings but then she kind of just takes it too far in the you know it's one thing that she kind of made this confession and she's upset and and okay then you deal with that but then she straddles him opens uh-huh. his shirt and rubs his chest and no tina that's yeah, not an okay I- thing I can't defend her here. Well, and I think the hard thing is, you know, I will say it's not necessarily, okay. The writers trying to frame it as this is a completely logical next move and you should feel bad Mm -hmm. for Tina here, I think is the most unfortunate thing. I think you could have her confessing, I already felt bad for her before, like, I was feeling a lot of empathy for her. I felt really bad Mm -hmm. for her before she, like, straddled him up until that moment, and then it lost me. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, there's other things you could have done. She could have laid down and put her head on his shoulder. Yeah, just, like, laid down and put, like, her head on his chest and, like, had a moment of, like, pretending that this was going to be her future and then being like okay no (laughs) this is weird like that would have worked I didn't you know yeah so I mean she's I get the symbolism that like maybe she's taking care of him and like giving her his love but or giving him her love but like yeah it's it's inappropriate um, but I also think the reaction from fandom over it, like, and, and calling it like vapor rape is like, yeah. but then the very show did it close too. to the reaction. Yeah. It, it's the show that did it, but it's yeah. very close to the reaction that like some major Blaine haters had to the first time and to the car scene yeah, and mm-hmm. making, Yeah. Never thought of that. I I guess I'm kind of wondering. (laughs) But the blame was asleep. That's that's the bit that that, that just kind of. Yeah, yeah. That I can't get over. Like, I, I, like, honestly, there were points when I think back to the car scene, I think back to the first time. And I'm I'm just glad that those moments aren't ruined for me by how gross some of the commentary from uh, the other side of fandom has been about those moments. Yeah, yeah. But at least in that situation, they're both awake and they're both like consenting. Blaine yeah, may have been a little bit drunk. And I can't, but, like, I can't defend like her at all here. I yeah. mean, I I feel for her, but it went too far. And well, 
this is this is the issue that I have, especially with Tina. As I was saying, like I I feel empathy for her up to a point, and then she does something that like kind of just ruins it all for me. The same thing happens in the next episode when she's she's talking to Kurt and she's telling him about how like you know you're here and then you're not Kurt. Like she's saying some really really valid things to him about how he's treating Blaine. Mm-hmm. About and then. And then, of course, she brings up the vapor rape stuff, and then the show focuses on the vapor rape instead of the valid criticisms that she has of him, and that That's just makes me yeah. really angry. And at the sh- yeah, it makes me angry at the show, like yeah. making it a joke, and like they yeah. make it a joke, and then they bring it up in the puppet episode, and she's like, "That was that was a phase. That was a phase." But yeah, <laughs> like, it just ugh. it was something that like they tried to make humorous out of a really awkward and weird and like and then of course like in the next situation Blaine (laughs) gives her back the the thing being like hey it's empty I'm like how long were you sitting on him then oh my god yeah (laughs) and like I don't want to imagine like did she like did she then button his shirt back up did he not think something weird when his shirt was still unbuttoned and what did he think about like the fact that well when he went to sleep he didn't have vapor rub on his chest yeah, he, he doesn't remember up, he putting did. vapor rub on his own chest oh my like, god he doesn't seem to know about it until maybe kurt tells him afterwards like well that's the other thing that's the thing that we'll get to it but it makes me so angry that he apologizes to her yeah we'll save that conversation oh, for yeah, a minute yeah, yeah, for one week yeah that that oh. that is something that makes me angry the the frustrations that I have, I've never been a huge Tina fan. I do think that, I think it's frustrating that they continually put her in these kind of situations where you have some really, you know, you do have some great, you know, here she's dumped by her boyfriend. She's trying to figure out how to be her own person. There, there's some interesting threads there. And then they keep throwing this kind of stuff at her. And I think it's really uh-huh. unfortunate that it makes it hard for me to really keep getting behind the character. I, I just, yeah, so I, I think the entire episode would have been changed. I think had that not happened, like, yeah, she's kind of crossing the line with some of the things that she's thinking, but she's really only thinking them to herself. She's not ever actually saying them to Blaine. And we all have those moments where we have mm-hmm. thoughts that we know we shouldn't have, but we'd never voiced them. So it's kind of like, and we get over them. I think it, this episode would have been so much easier to go back and rewatch and so much better for Tina's character had that scene, as I said, just ended with her, like telling her that she likes him falling for him, but then, you know, just like laying down next to him and kind of, that's it. I don't know. Yeah. That's just me. I, it would have just improved so much more had that not happened. I don't know. So does anybody else want to say anything about the scene or? I have lots to say about the scene. Go ahead, Bethany. We'll let you go. Yeah. This starts even before the whole vapor rub even gets out. This starts pretty much as soon as Tina's like, oh, do you like girls? And then Blaine's like, no, gold star game, whatever. And she's like, oh, we're still young. And I'm like, no. That's the, sorry. That's the bit where she says we st- we're still young. Sorry, I thought it was Brittany earlier on in the episode. It's Tina no, that says we're still it young. It says we are still young, kind yeah. of putting this implication that oh, you could grow up and maybe like girls. And after Santana's comment about her new girlfriend being a real lipstick loving lesbian, I was like, nope, nope, no, 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 no. <laughs> I put up with nothing with this bullshit glee. It's n- no. 
and so that just already pissed me off and then just yeah i'm like look tina i get it if i were you i might have fallen in love with blaine too it's fucking blaine <laughs> I understand. Yeah, I re- that's why I like I relate to this at, to to an extent, but like, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> I would I would be the same. He's very pretty, and his eyes are like I could swim in them. Like you know. Anyway, sorry, continue. But <laughs> yeah, but it's just like no, like yeah, if it just been her confession, and yeah, I could see a teenage girl curling up next to him yeah like her cuddling him again it's, it is it's kind of a step too far but it's realistic i guess or i can kind of yeah that's whatever but the the straddling and the opening up mm-hmm. and i'm like i don't know how they got through the scene without either laughing oh, or cringing or did, didn't jenna say that that was like one of the worst scenes to yeah. film so it's just like, I don't know, it, it just really squicks me out and I have a bad history with sexual assault. So I really, really don't like this scene. And some people are like, oh, it's not this. Like, no, but he was unconscious and mm. she is touching his chest. There might have been nipple touching. Who knows? Because we don't see that. Like he is she is doing this to him and she does not have his consent and I don't care if she's just rubbing vapor rub on him and trying to be sweet about it. It's not right. And the fact that Blaine only finds out from Kurt week a week or two later, that makes it even worse. And we never get her saying like Sorry. Uh, well, she says something along the lines of it and he just like kinda looks like what what in the world are you talking about? We we never we never get a a thing from his point of view about how he reacts to it. It's all like yeah, like Tina and Kurt talk about it, and then you know Kurt brings it up when he's around, but we never actually see him like reacting to the fact that this happened to him. Well, and Mike is gonna find out about it. Yeah, because Mike brings it up too. The, yeah, it, he's it like, is a big is thing, and it becomes a joke, and it just yeah. But I, mean I, that. I I don't know whether is this like the show was later trying to like oh crap this this thing became like became something we better turn it into a joke. I don't know whether No, I think they meant it as a joke. And <laughs> oh, okay. that's really gross. Yeah. Oh, really? Cuz I think they they tried to play it off of pure feel sorry for Tina and they yeah. didn't understand. Yeah, I mean, it's it's supposed to be that, but I I think like they they meant to set it up as a joke too. Like Oh, I I think they just didn't understand kind of, kind of in the way that they did their Christmas episode in season 5. I don't think that they understand stood what they were putting out there. I think it was a you need to feel bad for Tina in this moment, not a oh, hey, let's like really think about what we're showing here at this yeah. moment. So but as I said, even, like, I was already feeling, like, bad for Tina. Like, yes, there was some, like, compl- conflicting things because I agree. She's like, oh, you might grow out of being gay. Like, no, no. But, like, Blaine already went through that with Lemon on the Alcohol, kind of. Um, but, like, it's okay to not like a character. We've talked about this already with Santana. Like, but then you make them do something like that that almost becomes irredeemable. I don't know. I feel like for a lot of people it did. And then at the end of the episode for Blaine to then turn around and be like, Hey, you're the closest person to me here at McKinley right now. After that's just happened. It just doesn't, it just doesn't work for me. It just makes me uncomfortable. 
Um, I have a thought, but I don't want to cut anybody off. So, Bethany, if you had more you wanted to say, I didn't want to cut you off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I really don't like this scene. And, like, and I was just thinking, like, where are his parents? <laughs> I'm like, they haven't I haven't been caught yet. It's only a cold, but man flu is real. I have to deal with it. It's Boys are babies when they're sick. But it's just like, I, I, I don't... I don't know. It's just like, why? Why why did they think this was a good idea? Yeah. I would really <laughs> like to sit down. There are a lot of questions I think I want to ask, mm-hmm. like the Riders of Glee. <laughs> like if like, the, <laughs> if they had just taken this sec like yeah, we already felt sorry this why did they think this would make us feel even more sorry well, for Yeah, Tina? exactly. Make what did they think, think this was gonna achieve? Pathetic and no. This does not endear me to her. This makes me really not like her. And really just like, yeah. And the fact that later on, Blaine's like, I'm sorry, I have been appreciating you. And like, she sexually assaulted you. Yeah. Like, like, I don't think you should like, yes, you haven't been treating her nicely as a good friend. But again, yeah, yeah. uh, it's like, it's like, let's start away. Consent is like. Yeah, they they don't really have a good relationship with that, like, from the very beginning. No. Glee. Uh, Glee doesn't have a good relationship with a lot of things. <laughs> and and I don't think they, like, understand it either when, like, when any of us, any of the fans, like, point it out, say, hey, this is really problematic. They're, they're like, oh, crazy fans. Like, and then they, yeah, that's and, why they make the jokes later about the, that's Yeah, what and... I, that's what I did. But like, I really think they they like. I mean, it was partially I think because they wanted you, f- like us, to feel bad for Tina, like the the crying part. But then the actual assault part, I think, like from from knowing their other storylines throughout the whole series, they they meant it in a humorous. No, yeah, I understand, like, this was a, a breaking point for most people on Tina that, and most people didn't even like Tina to this point, so, um, and then, but I I stand by her still, like, it's, it's the writers that I hate for this. Yeah, that I is them good. for this. I think what frustrates me going forward is the the tone of the rest of this episode. So getting kind of into this next scene, you have Blaine who's talking to Artie. And by the way, as a side note, it is kind of funny when Artie rolls out backwards. He rolls, the scene. He just rolls backwards. <laughs> He's like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> the look on his face. But here she is. And she's, I, I, I like the idea of Tina getting, you know, indignant about things, but this is so mm-hmm. misplaced. I mean, why is she angry at him? What did, what did he do? He fell asleep. He told you that he gets woozy on cold medicine. I don't I understand know, like, why she's so angry. She's angry at him because he she's fell probably asleep. embarrassed. Yeah, I, 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 I've got a lot of embarrassment out of that. Like, and it's misdirected anger. Definitely yeah. misdirected anger. But as I said, I just don't appreciate that the show then turns around and makes Blaine apologize for it. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. yeah, that's true. Like, but that's also a Blaine thing where, like, oh, this that's person's true. upset with me. I'm going to apologize. Like, I don't really know why, but. 
But yeah, he's. But here, I mean, like he's very like oh you know that's been awesome. Thanks so much for the thing. You know we had a great talk for like two seconds last night. Like and then she, I mean, I can see where she's mad at herself where she because she's kind of talking to herself in this this first rant because she has two in this episode. Um, mm-hmm. or, uh, it's you know. She's like, you know, and she almost confesses again that, you know, I love you, but it's, I'm kind of like, stop yelling at Blaine, he didn't do anything. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's not his fault that he doesn't return your feelings. Yeah. It's not his fault that you did all this stuff and didn't get, I guess, an undying devotion of love from Blaine. That's not his fault. He has no control over that. Like, kind of thing. Like you were look you were looking at his bedside table and you saw the pictures of Kurt. You've seen the pictures of Kurt in his locker. He told you he's perfect gold star gay. Like I don't understand what she was hoping to achieve. Like yeah. you straddle him and rub him with vapor rub and that's how you turn a gay guy straight. I don't know. Well, and I could understand like later on I do think her anger at Kurt is interesting, even though that's again misplaced, but it is still Okay, there's some narrative drama going on there, sure, but this just feels so just unbalanced. But see, as I said, like her anger, her anger at Kurt later is so valid because she's bringing up valid points that I (laughs) wish that the show had like delved into. But no, let's just bring up this vaporwave scene again. On the flip side, I will say (laughs) that her her solo here. It's it's nice to see you know Tina go out and have a nice big diva esque song. I mean, and not get interrupted or cry. Yeah, exactly. Can I? Yeah. This is something that I noticed in the scene leading up to hung up, and I, I I meant to go back and check the start of the episode, but I can't. I, I forgot. In that in that episode with uh, sorry in the moment where they're at the locker, she's wearing a dress that's like black and got a, like green trimming, and then in the scene before that, she's wearing a black and green dress again, um, that stripy one, and I just I mean I'm not big on the clothing meta, but the fact that she was wearing black and green, especially green, just you know raised envy, something in me, yeah. and I just Jealousy, thought it just, envy. yeah. Yeah, and I just thought I just needed to bring it up. Again, I, I meant to go back and watch the side of the episode, but I forgot. But then she ends up wearing, then the next thing she's wearing red, so I, I guess it doesn't necessarily mean anything. But I just found it interesting that she was in green and red, and I'm sorry, green and black in both those scenes. Oh, see, I thought you were going for Slytherin here, so. Well, that too. <laughs> that too. That's green and silver, though, I think, isn't it? But Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I don't. I don't like that. Like after Blaine has been serenade, serenading people so many times in that courtyard, is this the best that he's ever going to get? Oh, serenaded back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I don't. I mean, kind of like I guess it's a, their duet in their courtyard in season five. But yeah, that's nice. But yeah, like this is the only time somebody sings <laughs> to him in that courtyard, and he doesn't and it, sing back. <laughs> that's true. It just makes me sad that. You know, this was the tone of it too. She's just angry at him. Yeah, and he still he doesn't get it. He just no. does not get it no. at all, first nor last. It's just like see, and this is okay. Again, you could have had this moment where she's like, you know, I'm done being broken up with Mike. I'm done taking second title. I'm gonna go out there and be badass. And you could have had mm. not had any of the Blaine stuff and had her do that. And have him sit there and be like, yeah, Tina, awesome. And we would have all been here. They're cheering for her. 
Because she does kick ass in the scene. So it's like, why did they need to put this in this weird context when they have a perfectly awesome story? Uh, you know, yeah, her, and, but by her doing this song, she was kind of getting over the whole crush on Blaine thing. It's like, you know what? I'm hung up on you, but I'm going to be the powerful person. I'm going to move on. And then the end of it, he's really sweet. And it comes right back up and continues to be this jokey storyline. They'll continue for the rest of the series, pretty much, about her having a crush on Blaine and then falling for all these gay guys until she tries to propose to Mike. Mm-hmm. But see, this but. is the thing is that the show proved that it could do a, a, a moment where there are two characters that where one has feelings for another. I'm talking about Blaine and Sam here. Where, you know, Blaine had feelings for Sam, but Sam handled it really well and it turned out to be really sweet. And was it because Tina is a girl and what hashtag Lee hates girls, they can't write. But they, they made like, it a joke that they made that a joke too. Like they had But it worked Sam better with the re- up, like But it worked better with the relationship that they had already established between um sorry, Blaine and Sam. Yeah. Well and I also think if you wanted to keep the stuff with Blaine's crush, like you could have her you know, watching him, it's even even in the room, and still kind of have this, you know, inner confession of, like, I love you, but this is just not going to work. And then her go out and sing this and say, you know what, I'm getting over it. I'm going to get my life back mm. together. I'm going to be awesome. Again, if you just take out the vapor rape stuff, you've got it's some fine. really good character stuff in here. Yeah. It's just... And that, and that worked really well for the theme of our whole episode with being a diva, because she te- keeps talking about how divas go after what they want. And you know they can't. They don't say no. I'm sorry. They can't. They won't take no for an answer and all that jazz. Like, you know, consent Which is kind of gross too. Yeah, <laughs> consent is important. Like, yeah. I don't know. She she be, well after this episode, the diva attitude kind of really continues, and it's almost like a parody of Rachel in diva mode. And yeah. Then the next episode, she goes off on Kurt because Blaine was supposed to be her date. Yeah. Her to go to the wedding with him. He does. And then yeah. uh, dry humps Kurt in her car. <laughs> I honestly really wanted more to know. Later. Yeah. I kind of wanted after this episode, I kind of wanted to see the moment where he goes up to her and's like, "Hey, Tina, Kurt's back. Sorry, I'm going with him <laughs> now. Bye." No, he probably still went with. with well, he does. Um, he he sits with next to her. So. Yeah. He. But but then like, they probably showed up and and like. They're together, and then, oh, Kurt, 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 Kurt's over there. Kurt, Kurt, Kurt. (laughs) Okay, Blaine, go say hi to Kurt. (laughs) And then he just doesn't, and then she's sitting in the church. She's sitting in the church like, hmm. And then she goes, well, apparently, what was it, Kurt's like, don't tell me that's Tina again. So Tina does walk in on them, like, Everybody walked in in the car, yeah. (laughs) I'm pretty sure they went as a group, because I'm pretty sure Mercedes was Kurt's date or Rachel was or something, yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, because they're sitting, I think they're sitting next to one another. Yeah. But, Um, yeah. Well, first of all, let's talk about um, Tina winning Diva, Biggest Diva. She never wins anything. And it's not breadsticks. It's not breadsticks. It's a trophy. And it's tickets, it's. It is still there is still food involved, but it's not breadsticks. It's red rooster. I don't know what yeah. that is. But. Breadsticks must have gotten closed down for health code violations. <laughs> <laughs> Temporarily, it does come back. Um, yeah, but but yeah, then we get. I mean, after she's won, and that'd be that would be such a great thing. Like you know, you take out the vapor rips stuff. You have this whole like, I'm in love with this guy. What am I doing with my? Because I do like her monologue when she's like. I should, you know, go talk to Mike. Wait a minute. I shouldn't talk I should to Mike. I should call Mike. Yes, you should. Oh. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> mm. 
But Mike might talk you out of this craziness. <laughs> I, it's just frustrating that Lee does this sometimes because I think that you have an interesting storyline to be giving Tina and you have to throw this kind of stuff in it. So, but then, yeah, we have this ending part where, I mean, he brings her a rose and apologizes. And it's like, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of sort of leading her on, but not really because he doesn't know he's doing it. Because, yeah, I love you, Blaine, but you're kind of an idiot sometimes. <laughs> and you you don't realize she's being she's acting like this because she likes you and you doing this for her. Like, yes, tell her, I'm sorry, I didn't appreciate you. That That's fine. But eh, I don't know. As I said, uh, one other reason it makes it hard is that we're so used to seeing... Like, these storylines where, you know, let's say it wasn't Blaine, but it was somebody else, and he was kind of a jerk to her. Maybe it was Art. You know, this whole plotline might have worked interestingly. I was like, Artie? Because she did tell Artie. Artie when they were dating, you know? like you know. Yeah, in Power of Madonna, which is mm. ironic because she's singing a Madonna song. Madonna song, yeah. And <laughs> so when, when he comes back and apologizes, and it's like, oh, yeah, he, he should be apologizing to her. And, but, you know, I just don't feel like it's earned in this moment. Like, uh-huh. not to mention at this point, we all knew the spoilers for I do anyway. And I remember just the massive confusion of why is he asking her to be the date where all yeah. know he's going to end up with Kurt. <laughs> I, I, we thought we'd get some form of like explanation as to how, as we were talking about before, how he ends up with Kurt. But nope, they just, they're just in the car. It's is great, but. <laughs> it's just magnets. Just, like, we thought, and we thought there'd be some lead up, but literally the first thing that we see is like their feet. <laughs> Why not? It's, you need more than that? <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying, like, I, I just, I remember thinking, like, how did they get there? I'm not going to mind that they did, but like. <laughs> no, <laughs> okay. no, Blaine and Tina showed up together and Blaine saw Kurt and was like, Kurt, Yeah, as you Kurt, say, Kurt, yeah. Kurt, Kurt. <laughs> and Kurt said, Hey, I forgot something in my car. Blaine, help me go find it. Help <laughs> me find it. <laughs> um, but kind of um, wrapping this one up, I, you know, I kind of, just to be honest, and people can disagree with me, I just have a harder time with the Blaine-Tina friendship, I guess, because of this kind of stuff. I want to. I mean, I think it, it, it's an awesome, like, the whole Blaine-Tina-Sam is an awesome group, even with Ari a little bit too. It's a really awesome group that they could have really glued together, and it's unfortunate that this kind of puts a sour note on it. What gets me is that he didn't realize he, she liked him like that, even after she sang him the whole song and brought him to Sadie Hawkins. Well, she just sang it to him because she's friends with him and considered him a friend and wanted to go as friends. Because that's the kind of day Blaine calls Tuesday. <laughs> I mean, he probably had about six of those <laughs> for Sadie Hawkins. I one thing I enjoy about Blaine's character, though, is that people can you know be in love with him or whatnot, and he's still like, okay, I may not feel the same way about you, but I will still be your friend, and I do yeah. like that aspect of him of his character. So. Well, again, we never see it, but even he doesn't let what happens with Tina, like the, the, the fact once he finds out about the vapor rape, he doesn't let that ruin his friendship 
with her. Although I find it interesting because at the end of this episode, he does say like, you know, you're the closest person to me at McKinley and you're the most important person. And then it almost feels like, because after this, the next couple of episodes, he kind of just returns to being really close friends with Sam. And I know that's partly because they bring back the crush that he has on Sam, but like, it's almost like, hey, Tina, you're my best friend. Let's focus on Sam for a little bit. And it makes me wonder, because he does find out about the vapor rape in the next episode, whether or not he cools off on her for a little while because of that. Um, I don't know. And as Because we never see it, we don't know. But it's not again until I think Shooting Star when they're in that, that situation of, like, we may die, where it almost feels like he forgives her a little bit. I don't know. I'm reading into the subtext of this because that's all I have. <laughs> okay, I know. That's so, <laughs> well, so I was actually confused by that as well because I'm like, isn't Sam the person you're closest yeah, to? Yeah, that's school? I wrote that down. I was like, uh, mm-hmm. have you heard of Sam Evans? Yeah, no. that's kind of, I agreed. I was a little like, I kind of would argue Sam, but okay, I think for yeah. the plot. Maybe they had a secret friendship that was never on screen for the last. You know, and I oh. think that's the purpose of all of those nicknames was to, to kind of show, hey, make all this time they've been best friends. Yeah, make well, it feel yeah. like. Mm-hmm. They, they tend to and, do that. Mike and Blaine had like the the background romance that all of all of fandom saw, but was never like official. And Mike was dating Tina, so stands to reason they might have mm-hmm. been friends more than like the show showed. Yeah. Well, at least. And while, unfortunately, like, the vapor rape stuff and Tina being interested in gay men still is a joke, I do think that they curb off the the crush stuff. Well, they really kind of wrap it up, and I do, but it does kind of get, you know, toned down and thrown away, and I'm glad that Blaine and Tina can go forward as friends, and it doesn't have the weird thing going on after this. It it is... It just makes me uncomfortable yeah. that they never address it, though. Like, this book, I bet Glee does that. They, like, outrageous things happen, and then we just kind of, like, pretend that they talked about it. Yeah, that's kind of... There are a lot of things. I think the most egregious one, which we'll probably touch on a little bit, I don't really want to spend a lot of time on it, is the catfishing stuff. That net did, yeah. That's, it just did not get resolved, but... <laughs> no shit. I think they realized that was, like complete bullshit and stupid like thing to go down anyways I think they just didn't know what they wanted to do with it and then when they had changed up for season 5 that they just kind of like oh well let's forget about that happened so (laughs) let's pretend they didn't happen and hope they didn't notice (laughs) it's not like you spent 5 or 6 episodes on it no. All right. Well, that kind of um, wraps it up. Unless you guys, I, if you have more notes or anything that we want to hit upon that we didn't touch, or this episode is weird. <laughs> it's like so. There's so much good in it, and there's just yeah. bad. Yeah, I know. I I. Well, I was just gonna say I want to throw it to listeners. It's kind of funny. Whereas like that particular thing I didn't like. I like ninety percent of this episode. It's a fun, yeah. engaging, funny episode. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing, and but it's, awesome it's just amazing music. how one mo- like one moment in an episode can kind of not ruin the whole thing, but like sour it for you. I don't know because it doesn't. I don't think it ruined the whole thing for me, but 
knowing, even rewatching it, knowing that I had to watch that scene was just like, oh, I don't want to do this. Yeah. It's like comfortable. All right. Well, I want to thank you guys <laughs> for, <laughs> on that note, uh, I want to th- yeah. <laughs> thank you guys for uh, being on here <laughs> on this diva-tastic I'll stop making bad puns, I promise, uh, episode. Um, if you haven't already, join, uh, take a look at the Kurt and Rachel New York side for more divaness. Um, otherwise, next week we will be back with the infamous I Do. So <laughs> we'll see you next Sunday. Missing puzzle piece. I'm complete. I was just guessing at numbers and figures, pulling the puzzles apart. Will you love me even with my dark side? Somebody let me come through. I'll always be there. To help us survive Being alive Oh, don't you understand I'm never changing who I am You are the sunshine